Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about how to support children's immune health with herbs. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. Today, I want to talk about ways that we can support the immune health, both of ourselves and more specifically of our children. It seems that once school kicks back into gear and the seasons begin to change from warm to cold, that colds and flus can abound. And what can we do to help support the health of our children because they tend to get more colds and flus than we do because you know they're still building their immune memory and so they haven't come into contact with as many colds and flus that we have in our lifetime so they're going to come down with more than us. Not only that, but then if their immune systems are weakened, then those viral cold and flu can turn into um, or yield a more longer seated bacterial infection. So what can we do to support the immune system so that it can function properly uh, so that we aren't you know, having these long drawn out illnesses after catching a viral infection. And what I'm, I'm just basically going to talk about um, some of the herbs that I like to work with and how to prepare them. And at first, I want to just a couple quick notes, basically, that it's not a bad thing that if a kid Uh, gets a cold or a flu or some sort of viral infection. It's totally normal. And it's actually a way that 
their body builds immunity in time and a memory so that as they're older and they come into contact with with the same viruses that their body then knows how to fight them off and they aren't as susceptible in the future. So this is just a natural part of the uh, the learned immune system to form and to grow. But what can we do to support our kids while they are exposed to all of these? And, you know, we have all of these, when we get a cold or a flu or some sort of viral infection, then we have all kinds of symptoms. And those symptoms are actually not necessarily caused by the virus itself, but they're caused by our body's reaction to the virus. It's actually our immune response, our own body's way of dealing with and fighting the virus is what gives us the symptoms that are uncomfortable. So for example, a fever to some degree is actually important um, because you know when the body reaches over 100 degrees, from my understanding, then the virus it's very hard for the viruses to replicate at that temperature. So it will slow down the viral replication to allow the body time to figure out how to form antibodies to then fight the virus and eliminate it from the body. So fevers, you know, I tend to have a pretty relaxed take on fevers. I tend to, you know, let's unless that's super high, then we can find a way to, to try to lower it to some degree. Um, but I think definitely monitoring Fevers is really important so you can see the patterns or, you know, sometimes they'll get higher and then they'll go back down to lower or they might, you know, you might get a fever more often in the evening and the morning and then throughout the day things seem to kind of normal out. So there's definitely an ebb and a flow with that. We don't want the fevers to get too, too high um, because then that can cause some pretty serious problems. But if they're just kind of a low or mild fever, then I don't think if we can avoid suppressing it, then I then I think, and from my experience, the virus will infection will end sooner. But you also don't want to see your child suffer with a fever either. I think that's one of the hardest things as a parent um, is when we see our children in pain or uncomfortable or in a bit of misery <laughs> and it, and it's you know we want to do anything that we can to alleviate that for sure so let's talk about some herbs that are good to have on hand that we can incorporate into teas or smoothies or soups um, or nourishing infusions that are syrups that we can administer to our kids in a way that will not totally repulse them. However, I will say that, you know, some herbs don't necessarily taste good and some kids are going to be pickier than others. And it's okay that the medicine doesn't taste like candy. Like I feel like modern pharmaceutical medicine, especially for kids, is so super, super sweet and so sugary. And it's 
you know, that's, it's maybe easier to get it for them, especially because the pharmaceutical medicine would be super bitter otherwise. I think that it's also important, especially in the realm of herbs, that if it tastes a little funky or not super syrupy sweet, that it's okay. Um, you know, it's a, they just have to take a little bit of it. And if they can just kind of make funny faces through it, or if I find, you know, if you take, if I take the remedy with my daughter, if it's like a really kind of not super tasty remedy, and then we can just kind of both make like ew yucky faces together and be like, oh, that was horrible, but move through it, then it, then it works out. And then once they notice and they see that, wow, like, I actually feel better after taking that herbal remedy, then they'll be more likely to do it again in the future. Like, for example, my daughter um, shocked me a little bit this last time that she had a head and chest cold that she, um, we, I was, you know, she started towards the end of it. She got a really stuffy nose. And of course I broke out the goldenrod tea, which is, can be pretty bitter, especially because I make it pretty strong. So you so you can drink less of it in my mind than making a mild tea and then having to drink more of it. So we just kind of bite the bullet and I mix, I do mix some honey in with it. Just, I mean, it still doesn't taste great, but it takes the edge off. And, you know, she was like, I don't really like it. It tastes pretty bitter, but I'm going to drink it because I know it's going to make me feel better. And I was like, wow. All right. Mom win. <laughs> we like to hear that. So the more that we can um, foster that in our children, I think the better off they are for it. And we are too. So basically, a couple things, I guess, that are pretty obvious is let's limit sugar and candy when they're not feeling well or just in general anyway. Uh, but sugar, white sugar definitely can deplete the immune system. I really like to offer smoothies uh, that have herbs in them, whether they have elderberry syrup in them or astragalus root infusion in them, or you could basically put any kind of tea or nourishing infusion into the smoothie with the yogurt and the frozen berries, and it's good to go. Um, and kids tend to really like it, and you can make it thicker so that it might be more like eat it with a spoon, kind of a sorbet ice cream kind of thing, or you can make it thinner so it's you, know, you can drink it with a straw, and nothing feels better on a sore or irritated throat than a smoothie, a nice cold smoothie. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I also really like to offer broth, where um, usually it has miso in it, so if you make a bone broth, bone broths are really easy to make. If you just have leftover bones, like if you roast a chicken and you take all those bones and you put them in the crock pot um, and then you put in some water, a little bit of vinegar, which helps kind of break down the mineral, extract the minerals, breaks down the bone, um, put in some garlic and some onion and some seaweed and you could even put some, you know, dried nettle leaf in there, um, some mushrooms for sure, because mushrooms are really beneficial for the immune system. 
and then just simmer that. Calendula is another nice herb to put in there. Astragalus root is another nice herb to put in there. Simmer it, simmer it, simmer it uh, for 24 to 48 hours and then strain it out and you can put it in ice cube trays and then freeze it. And then once it's frozen, you can pop the little frozen broth bullions out of your ice cube tray and store them in a freezer Ziploc bag or something in the freezer. And then as you need them, you can just pull out, you know, two or three ice broth cubes and you can either reheat them just as a tea, you know, to drink just out of a mug, or you can add them to, to make gravy or add them to like a stir fry, just like one of them, just to put in some added nutrition And then if you're using it as a soup broth, like say if you or your child is not feeling well and you just want to drink like a nice, warm, nourishing broth, uh, but you don't want to take a day or two to make it, (laughs) so then you can just thaw out or warm up a couple of the ice cubes, put it in a mug, and then I really like to add miso to it. So there's all different types of miso paste you can get. I really like the South river company it's they come in a nice glass jar they have a nice variety of different misos everything from light to red to brown lots of different ingredients in them health healthful ingredients and for me the miso like it can have some chunks in it it can have like kind of parts of beans or whatnot but I really like a smooth, clear broth of miso. So I'll take one of those tea strainers that would maybe fit over a mug that's mesh. It's like a half, like a big scoop that's mesh. And I put a big heaping soup spoon or tablespoon of the miso in the strainer and so that it's sitting in the broth, in the broth or in the hot water, uh, but not fully submerged. And then I'll take a spoon and I'll just kind of press the miso through the screen and through the strainer screen so that it will kind of keep all the solids behind and just like release everything that would just kind of melt into the water. And it's delicious. And you want to add that, you know, after you're done heating the broth and it's starting to cool a little bit, you don't want to boil the miso because you'll kill the live cultures in it. But if you do it at the right time where the broth is warm and you press it through the strainer and then you take the strainer out and you'll see it's almost like the miso clouds, like almost looks like a mushroom cloud, <laughs> but it's not nuclear, but it's, um, it's alive. It's beautiful. And that is really high in protein, really high in uh, nutrients, and also very supportive to immune health in general. So we either have our yogurt smoothie or we have our nice warm miso bone broth as nourishers. If you notice that maybe you or your child is starting to not feel well or they are you or they already don't feel well, and it's just a really nice, simple broth. And then if you want, with the broth, you can just throw in some ramen noodles or some rice, 
to just to give it a little bit more fiber, a little bit denser if they are hungrier and want something. Or you could just even use that as a base to a vegetable soup or options are endless really. But I think simple is good. They both, both the yogurt and the in the smoothie and the miso in the broth, both support gut flora, which is really nice because that is one of our first lines of immune defense is our gut microbiome. And so if that has been challenged at all, or if we are getting sick, it's always nice to kind of boost, boost that up a bit or at least support it. I would say the next herb that I really think of as a really nice tonic for the immune system, something that's going to build and support it so that it's healthier and more able to function when exposed to pathogens and just able to more be on a lookout for pathogens, awakened and enlivened immune system is astragalus root. That's always something that I like to have on hand, usually in at least two or three different forms. Right now I have astragalus uh, root slices, astragalus powder, and astragalus cut and sifted root, all which I buy bulk online to have. And I like to take the astragalus powder and I'll put that in smoothies I will take the astragalus, like the bigger um, root slices, and I you can put that in a pot of rice that you're cooking, or you could put it definitely in the bone broths, or you could simmer it down just to make a really strong decoction with it. And then the cut and sifted astragalus, I like to make a nourishing herbal infusion with. It actually extracts really well. And so you weigh out one ounce of the cut and sifted root and you put it in a quart jar and fill the jar to the top with boiling water, put a tight lid on it, let it sit for on the counter for a minimum of four hours, really eight to 10 hours is best because it's a root, so it'll take longer to extract and then strain it out. And it has like a really sweet, nutty, earthy flavor to it that kids tend to like. Um, You can even take that astragalus root infusion if you want and put it in ice cube trays and then use those when you're cooking rice or cooking anything. You just kind of take one or two of those and add it to the mix. Or you could even thaw them out and make a tea with them. Or you could use them as ice cubes because they're pretty mild flavored in with other beverages if you wanted. Just as an easy access. Because astragalus is a pretty mild herb. And so it's an herb that you want to take over a long period of time to really get the full benefits of it. It's like... And it might not be the best right when you feel a cold coming on. It probably works better more preventatively. So starting now, cold and flu season, I'm really going to start having some astragalus at least weekly uh, or maybe more often than that. But it's just really nice to have on hand. 
And along those lines, another herb that I like to have on hand and to use in very similar ways is rose hips. And you can buy them dried bulk. You could also harvest them. You could harvest them now. I talked a little bit about them in last week's episode. And you can check out the Rose podcast at somewhere in the 30s, I believe, to get more info. But basically, rose hips are basically like a superfood. Very high in nutrition, very supportive for building the health of the immune system in general. And I like to make nourishing herbal infusions with the rose hips. So exactly the same way as I said with the astragalus root where you weigh out an ounce, put it in a quart jar and boiling water, tight lid, let it sit for four hours at a minimum. Longer is great. Strain it out, drink it within an within a day or two. And that's pretty tasty as well. Now, also pretty commonly, people will make rose hip syrup. So instead of making the infusion, you would make a really strong decoction where you would simmer it down, simmer it down. You know, so you have maybe the liquid, maybe you'd use twice as much liquid as dried plant material. So like a one to two ratio and then simmer it down, simmer it down so that you simmer down hat to so that you have the amount of liquid that you had. So say you had a cup of rose hips. So you put two cups of water, that's the one to two ratio, in a pot and you boil it down, simmer it down maybe for a half hour until you have only a cup of water left in the pot or it looks about like half of it's been used up. And then you take that cup of water and if you wanted to make a rose hip syrup, you would then add another cup of honey. So equal parts honey to the decoction. And then you would take it by the spoonful and keep it in the fridge, refrigerate it. When you're not using it, and then I also like to get rose hip powder, and I will put that in smoothies as well. And then definitely along the syrup line, now we're moving more into herbs when we start to feel like we're actually getting sick. And then I would reach more for the elderberries than the rose hips and the astragalus, where they're more Rose hips and astragalus would be more prevention. And then also as you're coming out of having a cold and flu or coming out of some sort of debilitated state that you would then really start incorporating those on the road to improvement and the road back to normal, healthy state of being. And when, when I am sick or when my daughter is sick, then we really start reaching for the elderberry syrup. It's really nice to make it ahead of time so you have some on hand because uh, when you start feeling sick, the last thing you really want to do is anything other than sleep. And really rest, I would say, is probably the number one important thing to offer both ourselves and our children um, when they're not feeling well. And I know for me, it's always a struggle because I'm, you know, go, go, go. I have a set schedule, routine. You know, I want her to be in school so that she can gain the most from it. And so that because then I also have the pressures of needing to work. And when 
when one of us is sick, it's hard. It's hard to have to stop everything and take time to rest, even though it's probably the most important thing that we can do for ourselves and probably, you know, usually for me, I know I, I will get sick if I haven't been giving myself enough rest. So I, I, that's one of the harder things is like, okay, take the time. It's important. Just really allow myself to have the rest time or re- allow my daughter to have the rest time and not push her like, oh, you're, you're probably fine. Like, just go to school. You know, you're fine. <laughs> when really it's like, okay, no, you're probably not fine. You're fighting something. And the best thing we can do for you right now is to let you just rest and stay home, even though it's like, it's hard for me personally to shift from a schedule and a plan and like make a change. That's my own personality, I guess. But it has to it has to happen. And then even for an extra day of recovery, you know, it's like, oh, well, you seem like you're feeling better. Why don't you just go to school? I got to get back to work. And then she's not quite fully better. Um, and then it kind of sets her back. So even taking that one or two extra days, even after the majority of the cold has passed just to rest and recuperate and recover. And that's would be the really good time for the rose hips and the astragalus. But right when we start feeling like we are getting sick, then we definitely, or we know that people around are sick, then we definitely reach for the elderberry in these days of COVID, which is definitely still um, around where I live and probably where most of us are and probably always will be. Um, it's important even just, I mean, the elderberry, you can, it's not going to hurt you. So you can use it ahead of time or just kind of as an immune support, maybe, you know, once or twice a week, just like general maintenance. And then as soon as you notice any symptoms or hear of people being sick, then definitely, you know, maybe if you hear people are being sick, then use it daily. And then if you start to feel sick or you notice your child starting to feel sick, then the elderberry can be um, taken hourly, really. Like break out the elderberry syrup, have it on the counter. It's okay if it's not in the fridge for a few hours and take a spoonful every time you think of it every 20 minutes or put it in the smoothie and then sip on the smoothie all day or put it in a bottle of water and sip on the water all day that's then sweetened with the elderberry syrup and the elderberry syrup there's tons of recipes online I'm sure it's like one of the most searched herbal (laughs) recipes and it's so easy to make and um you know, obviously it's going to taste best if you can have fresh elderberries or freshly frozen elderberries, but you can easily buy dried elderberries and you can make syrup with those. And it's the same as I was saying with the rose hips. So with the dried elderberries, you would do one part elderberry, two parts water. So one cup elderberry, two cups of water bring it to a boil, bring it down to a simmer, and then you want to reduce the liquid by half. So let half of the liquid simmer out, and that way you're concentrating your decoction. 
I personally don't like to add anything to my elderberry syrup. My elderberry syrup is elderberry syrup. It doesn't have any spices or other immune supportive herbs. And that's fine for me because then I feel like I really get the concentration of the elderberry. And again, it's like elderberry is not super, super strong. So it's nice if you're not kind of diluting it with a bunch of other herbs as well. I just want elderberry syrup. And if I want other herbs, I take them in their own preparations. And that way, you know, you really come to love the smell of elderberries and the taste of elderberries. And they don't really get convoluted by cinnamon and nutmeg or whatever else people might be putting in to or ginger or what have you. Just straight up elderberry is delicious. And then once you've halved the water, um, when it's still warm, you strain out the elderberries, squeeze them as much as possible to get all the guck out, all the guck, all the decoction out. And then you put equal part um, honey. And ideally, in an ideal world, your honey is infused with elderberries. So you're getting kind of double the dose of elderberries. And I really think that honey... Um, infuses Beth best with freshly fresh elderberries that have been frozen. So if you are lucky enough to have fresh elderberries, then put them in your freezer for at least 24 hours or longer. And then you can take them out of your freezer and you can um, cover them with honey in a jar. And that honey is... Um, water philic so it loves water so it's gonna kind of take all of that water and moisture out of the berries along with all of the goodness and then you can use that elderberry honey to put into your elderberry syrup but if you don't have that then that's fine I find it works just fine just with elderberry decoction with plain honey And even though the honey does uh, help preserve it, you definitely need to still keep it in the fridge or it will kind of ferment on you. Um, If you want to make a shelf-stable syrup, then it has to be at least 25% alcohol to be shelf-stable. So you'd have to figure out, and it's not not, not 25% vodka. You know, if you have 100-proof vodka, which is 50% alcohol, you'd have to take that into consideration so that whatever's in your jar is, or your bottle is at least 25% of what's in your bottle is pure alcohol. But really, I think it's best just to keep it elderberries and honey and in the fridge. And if you have babies, um, then maybe in a year nursing them, then you can just take the elderberry syrup because we don't want to give honey to babies or children who are under one or even two years old. So um, either you can take it and they'll get some of the benefit through your milk or um, you can also make elderberry syrup with sugar instead of honey. But It's not ideal in my mind. 
Okay, so then along the lines, so we have elderberry. If we think that we have more of a bacterial infection, then so elderberry is more viral. It basically inhibits the virus from replicating. And it does have an affinity also for the lungs, so especially if there's some sort of cough or issue. And then the echinacea tincture is the next thing I like to make sure I have on hand. And that is more definitely for bacterial infections, uh, bronchitis, sinusitis, um, any sort of intestinal infection, or anything that might be you know, lingering after a virus. Once the kind of the immune system's depleted from the virus, it leaves room for bacteria infections to take hold. So the echinacea um, basically helps to increase white blood cell activity and is anti-infective unto itself as well. Has some anti microbial properties to it from my understanding but mostly it kind of it just enhances our own body's immune response and I make it with 100 proof vodka so pretty sure that there yes I know that I also have an echinacea podcast episode and I can get that episode for you so you can easily find it Oh, well, the Elderberry podcast is podcast 36. Oh, the Rose podcast is 39. Check out the Calendula podcast, which is episode 40, too, because that's also super beneficial for immune system and lymph support. Echinacea is episode 35. Check that out. And then episode 33 is Goldenrod, which I'm also going to be talking about. And then episode 29, uh, Ella Campaign. And episode 28, Bee Balm. Episode 27, Yarrow. Episode 26, St. John's Wort. All of those are going to be super beneficial herbs to have on hand for cold and flu season. So if you want to dive deep into any of those, check out those episodes. We'll also talk more about how to prepare them. But the echinacea tincture, so easy to make. Uh, get some 100 proof vodka, which is at least it's pretty easy to find in my area. Um, and get some echinacea angustifolia dried root if you're going to be making it, you know, if you're buying plant material to make it with. If you have Echinacea purpurea, the common purple coneflower that most people grow in gardens, you want it to be at least three years old and you want to harvest the root and clean it really well and then immediately make the tincture with the fresh root. But the Augustifolia, you can make the tincture and it will be effective with the dried root. And you want to fill your jar one third full to all, you know, a little bit less than half full with the echinacea root and then fill it all the way with 100 proof vodka. And that way it will leave a little bit of room for the root to expand and grow as it absorbs the vodka. And then um, you can 
put a tight lid on it and then let it sit for even up to a year. But really, even after a week, if you needed to, you could take a little bit out of it and work with it if you were already starting to feel that tickle in the back of your throat. That's when I start the echinacea. Anytime I feel that little tickle in the back of my throat or like a little bit of a sore throat and I'm like, ooh, mm, am I just making that up or am I fighting something? That's when I take that. I don't even, even if I'm not fighting something, it's not going to hurt me. So I'll take a little bit of echinacea tincture, I'll put it in the bottom of a shot glass, and then I'll fill the shot glass with water, and I'll just down the whole thing. But for kids, um, it's, and for adults, the standard dose of echinacea is one drop of echinacea tincture for every two pounds of body weight. And a dropper full is about 30 drops, or that's about as much as you can take up into a dropper. So you can then put that in the water and let your kid have it. It's a very small amount of alcohol, especially that's why it's really good that we're using the 100 proof vodka and not the grain alcohol or Everclear. And... You know, at first, you know, you might be hesitant. Oh, I don't want to give my kid alcohol. It's not good for their liver, blah, blah, blah. And that's true if you're giving them a lot. But you also have to realize that if we were giving them children's Tylenol or Advil, that, you know, you can only give your child that drug every for every so many hours because it's, it's liver toxic. And it, um, it's really harmful if you give too much. And let's face it, like aspirin um, is deadly in, in if, you, if you overdose on it. And so vodka, you know, a dropper full, a one milliliter, a very, very tiny amount of alcohol, it's okay. And even if you want, you could mix in a little honey, a little tincture, and then some warm water in like a little fancy shot glass. And then they get like the fancy cup to drink and they can just take it down or you can even dilute it further and put the tincture in a full cup of tea that the, that the kid's going to be drinking over time. But really that dose, the you know, the so many drops for so much body weight, one drop for two pounds of body weight, that's to be taken every couple hours for it to be really effective. So a lot of times I don't think people take enough or frequently enough echinacea tincture. Another herb that I really like having on hand is linden blossom. And again, this is another really tasty nourishing herbal infusion and this one you can just weigh out half an ounce instead of a full ounce and I like to get the whole flowers but you can also get cut and sifted what a wonderful anti-inflammatory so you're going to put that amount half ounce of the whole flowers in a quart jar fill it to the top with boiling water let it cover it tightly let it sit for four to eight hours and then I like to make sure that I like that it gets cool or at least to room temperature. You can even put it in the fridge for a bit before straining it so that you really get a lot of the mucilaginous 
uh, constituents from the linden. So it's very soothing and cooling to inflamed internal tissues, especially mucous membranes, like the throat and the intestines and the lungs. Very soothing and cooling. And it tastes really good, too. So, so far, we've had astragalus, rose hips, elderberry, echinacea, and linden. I also really like to have on hand slippery elm powder balls or lozenges or pastilles. And it doesn't take much, but a little bit of slippery elm powder mixed with a little bit of honey uh, so that you form like a thick dough almost. And then you roll them into small balls and then dust them again like small little lozenges. And then you uh, dust them again with more of the powder so that they don't stick to each other in their container. And they don't have to be refrigerated. They can just be left out because it's just honey and herbal powder. And if you have sore throat, or upset stomach, nausea, diarrhea, you can take one of those slippery elm balls and put it on the inside of your cheek and hold it there and it will slowly dissolve and slowly mix with your saliva and the slippery elm. Mucilaginous consistency will slowly kind of soothe down the back of your throat, soothing and coating mucous membranes. It feels good. It tastes sweet. It's fun for the kids to make. And it it works well. Also, I did talk a little bit about goldenrod. Goldenrod as a decongestant. Something to help dry out the sinuses if they're really kind of stuffy and runny. So goldenrod tea with a little bit of honey is really good. And that I, I make, I tend to make a pretty strong tea, but it doesn't have to sit nearly as long as the infusion. Um, I'll usually just take a handful of dried goldenrod and put it in a quart jar and pour boiling water over it and then let it sit for maybe 20 or 30 minutes and then strain it out into a mug and add some honey and it works, it works really well. I find that it usually takes about 24 hours to work. And for an adult, for myself, you know, I'd like to drink the whole quart in a day. And then the next day I wake up and my runny nose is totally gone. For kids, you know, maybe half of a quart in a day. And hopefully when they wake up the next day, their runny nose is pretty much gone. And then, you know, herbs in the mint family are so nice to have on hand and they grow, they stay green for so long in the bit, in the herb garden and they're really easy to grow. So plants in the mint family, I'm talking about oregano, thyme, bee balm, lemon balm, tulsi, I'm trying to think of different, that's, there's such a huge array, rosemary. So any of those herbs, any of those aromatic culinary herbs are really helpful in opening up the airways, breaking up like stuck mus mucus or really a lot of congestion in the lungs if you're not able to cough it up. And also 
they're tasty. They make a nice tea, both fresh or dried leaves, just infused in some water. And you can pick the amount that you work with, but usually the general rule is a teaspoon of dried plant material per cup of water or a tablespoon of fresh plant material per cup of water. And I usually go pretty on the heavier end of those, but with some mint, it's like, oh, okay, that's like super minty. But if you make it too strong, then you can just dilute it with water. And you can add honey to it to sweeten it a little bit. All of the mints are also really beneficial for soothing any sort of upset stomach as well, nausea, spasms, and they're just really nice. They're also all antimicrobial, fighting infections, as well as opening up the airways and aiding in digestion. So you can make a steam and you can strain out some of the steam unless you were coughing and snotting all throughout your steam or sweating into it. But if you're just steaming a little bit over the pot, then, well, even before you steam, you can pour some off as a tea. Or after you steam, you can pour it all out, strain it out, and have it available as a tea. And a couple of those herbs, like catnip, and combining catnip with yarrow flowers, is really known to help reduce a fever, especially if you drink it hot. So a nice hot cup of yarrow tea can really help to break a a fever, especially if you drink it really hot and then you stay really bundled up under the covers with lots of covers. So you keep your body really warm and then it should eventually uh, sweat and cool down. The other thing that I really like to do with all those mint herbs is to make an infused honey with them. So usually just I pick one and I chop it up really fine, as fine as I can with scissors usually, just kind of cut little tiny, the edge off continually of the bunch that's in your hand and fill a jar lightly full with that plant material and then just cover it with honey, kind of stir in the honey and then make sure all the plant material is covered and that there's no, not really hardly any airspace. So yeah, so that's, that's quite a lot. I mean, that's a really handy apothecary right there for you for a cold and flu season. You have your broth and you have your smoothies and your astragalus infusion to get you going and your rosehip infusion And those powders are in the smoothie and the infusions are in the smoothie. And then, oh, you start to feel a cold coming on. Immediately go for the echinacea tincture. As soon as there's a weird itchy feeling in the back of your throat. And then if it seems like maybe it's taking hold or maybe it's a viral infection, then we're going to go right to the elderberry syrup. And we're going to start using that every hour or so by the spoonful or added to bubbly water or tea is nice as well or on top of oatmeal or on top of pancakes 
And then from the elderberry syrup, okay, now the sore throat, that didn't work. And the sore throat's getting really sore. So we break out our linden infusion and we break out the slippery elm balls. And that's like the next more mucilaginous next line of defense. And we are going to drink that linden infusion, which we're already drinking anyway, because it's in our rotation of nourishing herbal infusions that we do on a daily basis. And we are going to have that slippery elm ball and we're going to put it in our cheek and hold it and let it slowly melt and dissolve and just kind of coat the back of our throat. And then we're going to be standby. We're going to make some goldenrod tea. We're like starting to feel really congested now. We feel like, oh, we're keeping the virus at bay. Um, maybe we're starting to get a little bit of bacterial infection. We're starting to get runny nose and a cough. And that's when we go to our mints, whether it's sage, thyme, rosemary, what have you. And however we prepared them, if we're just going to make a tea with them, if we're going to take the honey that we infused and take a scoop of the honey with the herb material, put it in a mug and pour hot boiling water over it and turn it into a tea that way. Or just take the honey by the spoonful on a regular basis. And we also have our goldenrod. If we're going to have, if we're having that congestion, if the the steam can kind of cut it for the short term and then the goldenrod, we're going to drink that tea all day so that hopefully the next day we don't have to do any steams, even though they're so wonderful. And when I talk about steam, you know, you like have a nice pot and you put a bunch of aromatic herbs in it and then, or you've already, you have the pot and a bunch of water that has already been boiled and you taking it off the heat, you add the herbs to it and put a lid on it and let it steep for five to 10 minutes while you're getting your steam station ready at the table. So you maybe put a hot trivet plate down that you're going to put your big hot pot on and you're going to get a towel that you're going to use as a tent over your head in the pot. So you're all set and then you bring your pot over to the table, take the lid off and tent it with your head under the tent of the towel and just take some nice deep breaths. If you have really little kids, but you still want them to benefit from the steam, uh, you could have it, you know, in a safe, secure way, maybe under your dining room table and the table covered in sheets so it's kind of like a little fort that's going to hold all the steam in there. And you can, uh, if you don't want the kids around a big hot pot of water on the floor where they're just kind of sitting and absorbing the steam, you can kind of almost hot box it <laughs> with the steam in the little tented fort. And then you can, you know, slide the pot out and slide the kids in so they can breathe in some of that minty fresh air. You could even take that steam water and turn it into bath water for young kids, as long as it's not too strong with all the mints. But um, yeah, and you could just kind of let them bathe in it, which could be really beneficial as well. So lots of ideas for you there. And generally, 
accepting that colds and flus and children getting sick is okay. It's not a bad thing. It actually helps them to become stronger in the long run as well as they are able to recover quickly. And if they're not able to recover quickly, that's when we really need some deep nourishment when we turn to the broth, the smoothie and all that, the um, astragalus root. And then from there, we go to our anti-infectives and then to our symptomatic relief. So I hope that this is interesting to you. I hope it was easy to follow along and that you have now have a list of herbs that you're going to go out and get if you don't already have them, and a couple remedies that you're going to make and have on hand, like the rosehip syrup and the elderberry syrup, and maybe some sage-infused honey or thyme. I really like lemon-infused, lemon-thyme-infused honey is really good. And you're going to be ready to support your child while they are dealing with a cold or a flu or a bug as they rest. You can just bring in the herbs to help support them. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, my website, all with the tag Soladago Herb School. And I hope that you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, you can rate and review it. I would be, greatly appreciate that. Helps more people have access to the podcast. And I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next time, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.